Hello and welcome to episode three of the Poolside Pass podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be speaking about developing para swimmers. Today's guest is Glenn Smith, uh, a very well accomplished swimming coach in, in the UK and over the world, um, helping swimmers to win in Paralympic medals. It was a topic I really wanted to cover. Um, as a coach, I've not worked, had the opportunity to work with many para swimmers at all. So it was interesting for me to, to touch base with Glenn and and here's some of his experiences working in the top end of, of, of Paris Swimming. Before we get into the interview with Glenn, it's just a quick line from our sponsors, Streamlined. Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time, or a combination of the two. Assessment can be in your club using videos or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored, high-quality support. Quote, the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount. Okay, so I think it's about time I introduce Glenn. Glenn Smith, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi. Hi, thanks. Yeah. So um, the first of you that, that, that don't know Glenn, Glenn's a, a coach with, with 25 years of experience, uh, two-time British Para Coach of the Year, and also a winner of UK Coaching's uh, Musambani Medal. Um, so very accomplished coach. Um, Glenn, why don't you just give us a little bit of uh, background of, of you within the sport and, and coaching? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so I started off as everybody, well, quite a lot of people that obviously listen to your uh, podcast as well. I started off as a competitive swimmer myself, and um, I yeah, swam at my local club. It was in it's in Leicestershire. I'm still living in Leicestershire as it as it is. Um, um, I wasn't that particularly great. I got to sort of a, made nationals in 1979, which were at Leeds at the old pool. Um, and I swam backstrokes. So I was trying to negotiate the, uh, the funny roof that, that was there. Um, so it's made to go all over the place in the lanes, but we uh, managed to get there. And I managed to make the final. I was 13, 100 backstroke. Uh, and I continued on from until I was about 23. Um, I swam at the City of Leicester swim squad for a, a good a good few years as well. Um, but I say I finished, I sort of retired from competitive swim was when I was 23. Um, and then I took on the role of, a, of head coach at my local club, uh, a small club in Leicestershire now, it's, it's Colville Swimming Club. Uh, my mother had been very much involved and my father had been previously to that. Uh, she was president for many, many years. Uh, as well, and she became president of Leicestershire ASA, so it was a sort of a swimming sort of family, if you like. But we're also in, um, it was a mining town, and my family was involved in mining, you know, uh, coal mining. So that's where my, that's where I, I sort of started my employment, if you like. I was, I was in a desk job in the coal, for British Coal, or the National Coal Board when I first started. Uh, but then I was always doing voluntary coaching as well. So it's sort of like, you know, we were heavily involved in the local swimming club. And then um, I was in the register and then I took all my sort of coaching qualifications and uh, my club coach as it was then and my ASA coach, I actually took with Bill, Bill Furness. And that was in Nottingham. And it was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And it's just these things that that's how they usually, they usually end up. It's actually just being in the right place at the right time. And I, apl- I applied for the post in Mansfield, which was the swimming development officer and coach. Okay, and I was fortunate enough to get it, and that was in 1996. So, so 24 late, years later, I'm still there now. So uh, it's been a long journey. So I've been I've been very lucky. 
so we've had like Rebecca Adley, that's sort of we we talent ID then Rebecca, Rebecca Adlington. We coached her until she was about 13, uh, before she moved to Bill, and then we and obviously the rest history, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um and then the first Paralympic swimmer was Callum Lawson. He was he made the Paralympics in uh, 2004 for Athens. Um so he was, and he, he actually went on to be a, a swimming coach himself. Um, and then obviously we've had, obviously Ollie, Sam, Ollie, Charlotte, Enshaw, uh, Sam and Ollie Hines, and, and then between them they've actually, they've uh, gained sort of, I think it's 10 Paralympic medals that they, that they, they won. Between the years 2004 to 2000, sorry, 2008 to 2016. So, uh, and out of those 10 Paralympic medals, there's four gold medals. So it's been a long journey. So, you know, and then I've placed athletes on world-class teams and world-class programs as well. So, so it's been a quite a nice journey. So, but I, I would say I've been very lucky, I think, over the years to have some great people to work with. Yeah. So um, today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, developing world-class para swimmers, which is something, you know, you've managed yeah. to do it over your career. Yeah. what's your let's just start by getting your kind of definition of, of world class when someone says yeah. something's world class you know what do you yeah. associate that with well i've always worked to think that world class it can either be two things you begin actually a specific thing that people work on um can be that that person's got world class technique or it can be world class work ethic or etc but my thoughts around a, a world class athlete is somebody that's performed at the top level for a period of time or some period of time over a period of years and with that that can be some people will argue whether it's two years or three years or eight years or ten years you know so it's just dependent but i think somebody who's consistently performing it's all about consistency doing something well and i think that's i mean you know if you look at somebody like adam pete who's done it consistently over a period of time you would say he is a world class you look at frederica pellegrini as a, from a from an Italian, you know, Italian great swimmer, uh, um, female swimmer, who's done it for years over a period of time. And you know, then you look at Katinka Hossu, you look at Ellie Simmons for that fact, from a parent point of view. And obviously I put Ali and Charlotte in that bracket as well, who did, who did the business over a long period of time. And, um, and, and my, my always said, when I was on the team in London and I went to Rio, I always thought that Sasha Kindred was a, a great example of somebody who was a world-class para swimmer. So that that's my idea of a world-class class person, or my definition of world-class. Um, whether it's the right one, it's uh, people's opinion. I think. Would you say that um, in para sport, you know, athletes' careers tend to be longer, or? I think they can be. It depends, obviously, the classification. Um, you tend to find the longer period of time in the lower tend of lower classifications or the middle classifications some people's at the top there this sort other of s9 tens tend to their careers are probably a little bit shorter but it is very much about the classification um you know the, the classification segment that they're in basically yeah. uh and i think that is so it doesn't necessarily yes but the the you do find it the opposite way, and I think we'll talk about that in a bit, is that they, they tend to start early. There's an early part of it as well, where yeah. they become, you know, they, they tend to, you know, they can be younger athletes that get on uh, senior teams. So they have a long period of time through that period. Now, that can either be a, a blessing or it can be a, a problem. 
So, so I think we'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, you yeah, saw yeah. With, um, with Ellie Simmons, what was she, 13, 14? When 13, she when she reached 13 in Beijing, yes. Beijing, so yeah, yeah. you wouldn't see a 13-year-old uh, a what athlete winning? winning no, the- no, you wouldn't. No. <laughs> well, it's very unlikely. Put it yeah. that way. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody might come along eventually and really surprises, but but um, it's probably unlikely. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you've had uh, great success. Um, you know, with namely Sam, Ollie Hine, Charlotte Henshaw, uh, etc. Yeah. Um, and then you've also seen you know being part of of Nervous Centurion and having worked with, with Bill Finesse as well. Yeah. You've seen um, some great able-bodied swimmers, such as uh, Rebecca Adlington, develop through the program. Yeah. What would you say would be uh, the differences in kind of the physiological side of the coaching for, for those swimmers, um, with power swimmers and able-bodied swimmers? Um, I don't think there's, there's not... The physiological side is not too much difference, I think. Well, obviously there is, because obviously power swimmers and able-bodied swimmers, there's... There's an obviously some impairments that you've got to work through as well. Um, so, but so there is difference in that. I mean, when I work with Ollie, it's about him managing his week as well because he has to manage his impairment. Um, yeah. So some days he'll feel absolutely great, and then other days he won't feel so great. It's, it's a good because because he's got muscular dystrophy. So, so we have to work around that. Um, obviously, there's not you know it's more that it's more working with the athlete I think as well. Uh, so it's it's not. It's, Especially, there's not much differences in the early developments of athletes. I don't think there's very, very little, whether they're para athletes or um, uh, able-bodied. Really, there's not a lot of you know differences in working with them. Um, and I think, but as they matured and progressed, it was like working with them together. So, um, so as they matured into senior athletes, my approach became more a bit more humanistic with them. So it's a bit more of a psychological way of working with people, really. So it was more like I, I gradually gave them more input in what we were doing, yeah. whether it be the physiological side, whether it be the training program that we were doing, whether it was the training week that they did. We sat down together, especially the years leading into Rio. It was quite heavily like that. We actually sat down together and worked things out together, what we were going to do that week, what we might do this month. It was all about working together, and I think um, so. You know, it was like their competition schedule would work together. So, but you could only do that with maturing athletes. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing that with youngsters. It would be yeah. more like this is the way it is, and this is the way it's got to be. But I think as we go up a little bit older, that's how it was, and you, you can see that as well. That when when Becky moved to with Bill, it was like, and then they gradually got into this partnership way and then that's the, how they actually develop that partnership and how they work. So it's about a coach-athlete relationship yeah. on the phys- 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 physiological side as well. You know what I mean? You've got Adam and Mel Marshall, Adam and PT Mel Marshall, you've got the same principle there, you know. And then myself, Ollie Charlotte, and yeah. And it's still like that now with Ollie now. We, we, we still, you know, many, many years down the line, 15, 16 years down the line, we're we we'll still sit down together and think about well, how we're going to plan the year or what's going to be then. Obviously, the main aim is it was going to be the Paralympic trials in April, but it's going to be the Paralympic trials now in 2021. So that's that's what we're aiming for now. So so it's that partnership. I think it's you know there's not a lot of differences at the beginning, um, but I think there's a lot of differences that you can work into that as they mature through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talking now around kind of. Uh, 
planning the season with yeah especially with the, the Paralympic Games and some of the major para events yeah happening in September yes yeah better than the end of your traditional season yeah uh, how do you can uh, how do you kind of plan around that if you've got athletes uh, in the same group as kind of their able-bodied peers you might just yeah. you know period of time off through August but you've then got your yeah. athletes then training in, into a big meet how, how do you manage that <laughs> well over the years it's been quite difficult I mean uh, because obviously uh, able-bodied athletes um, their nationals have always been in July August time so and then their season finishes and they go off on their holidays uh, whereas I had Sam Hind, Ollie, Charlotte, all doing, you know, Paralympics in the four-year cycle. And, or it might be another major championship, which could have been European championships. It could have been world championships in between. And they were always later on, and they were always in August, or, or Paralympics obviously lent in, sort of crept into September. So, so you had to sort of work that through. Um, and I can remember, funny enough, I can remember being with Sam. Um, it's something croaked something sort of um, come to mind when I can remember being with Samhain in August or the late August watching Becky do the 800 metres in Beijing while I was with him in, in Manchester um, doing some long course training with him at the centre as it still is now for, Paris, for Paralympic um, swimmers and um, I remember watching her doing the 800 metres freestyle at three in the morning so I mean, what's me and him watching it together? So, so our season was still going on as everybody else had finished, and it was a case of like planning for that. Um, and obviously, while she was in Beijing, and obviously he went to Beijing, and I can remember him doing some great sets that uh, that week. So, um, um, so he was, you know, he broke. So we did some broken four hundreds, I think, and he, he actually smashed the world record each one. So I knew he was in great shape, and he went on to break the world record. Yes, I wrote world record that, that but in that Paralympics. So, so I knew. So it was just about planning for that length of season. Yeah. Um, and I think um, generally, I plan for the Paralympics. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a, a long year. Okay. So because obviously, so you might have to start if you know that somebody's got a real great chance of making that team. You may have to start off a bit slower in September. You yeah. may have to give that they may have a longer break, so they may not come back till mid September or, or even. I think at one point, I think we got nearly got to October when we we were first on. So because the season was going to be that long, yeah, and I think you have to plan for that as well. So it's, and it's all about, so it's all about being, you know, making sure they have recovery in it. But I can also remember in 2016 that um, Sam and, sorry, uh, Ollie and Charlotte, they had uh, quite a few camps as well, warm weather stuff. So it was sort of catered for now, if you know what I mean, yeah. rather than me having to hang around in Mansfield for weeks on end, um, yeah. trying to get them prepared. But I mean, I was I did that at one point, but I think things are a little bit more planned and well planned now. So the, 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 there is some warm weather stuff that they can do and with the GB team, et cetera, and they do take them away and get them. And, and there's a team element to all that as well. So that's obviously taken on board as well. So I think that those things are all, all put in place as well. Do you did you ever find that when um, if you've ever had them kind of when they've come through the same same setup and you've got your your everybody swimmers yeah. uh, and they're kind of end of season meet whether it be nationals or, or Olympic games or something like that and yeah. your para swimmers are still in training 
Yes. You know, they're, they're aware of what their peers are doing and that they're swimming fast and breaking records. Do you yeah. find that aids the preparation into the meet? Because it just gives them that knowledge that, you know, everyone else is, is swimming well and that the programme they're on it, it is successful for this season. So you mean in terms of like their taper as well and things like yeah. that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty important. I mean, I think it, it, you, I can go back to 2015 World Championships in Glasgow. Um, we had a bit of a disrupted year because we changed things around quite a lot. Um, I was doing something like a traditional sort of um, three threshold sets a week, usual stuff. Um, and we, I sat down with the head coach of Paris at the time and we changed things around a little bit. I'd never done this before. We then went into Albrick sort of work where there was a lot of aerobic stuff. Uh, we did sort of 825s um, after, each, uh, after each session where that sort of recruited the mitochondria stuff. And it, I'm not going to go on and do all the physiological stuff, but we changed things a lot around that year. And I think that was, that was quite a big year. But as we moved in towards the World Champs, there were actually, we, we changed things around something that, that I knew that they were going to swim well because they'd actually really done some real good work in training. I think if you know that that's happening, then... Yes, they can have a. People do have bad meets and things like that, and you nothing you can do about it. But you've got a good idea that how they're going to perform, and I, I did then. And that, and I know Ollie went and broke two. Ollie went and broke the uh, world record first time for four hundred meters freestyle and broke his brother's record that year. Uh, and Charlotte broke. And funny enough, she she broke the European record for SB six hundred breaststroke four or five times that year. So. It was, uh, yeah, it, it, and, she, and previously she hadn't done a best time for five years. And it was, she goes and got, she was there about her outs, won, won the odd medal, a few things like that, but that, that year was exceptional. Yeah. I think it, we, we made a change, and funny enough, the change worked. Yeah. Sometimes you make a change and it always goes, it could go awry, but we made quite a big change that year. So I'm, I'm quite pleased how that, that year went. And of course, I've kept that sort of model now little bit in my head. I don't do the old rig model to the full. I yeah. do bits of it. And that's how coaching is. You, you know, you take yeah. things from here and work put things in here and pluck another thing out from somewhere else and and try and apply it to where you are really. And that's how I've done things all the way through. So working yeah. yeah. then with um like para swimmers. Um I yeah. guess it, it's it's the same it doesn't really matter if you work on an able person or a power swimmer. How do you, as a coach, make sure you understand fully yeah. who you're working with um, and, and how you can support them? Because uh, that's ultimately what we are as coaches. We're, we're almost in a support yeah. role for, the, for them and, and facilitators, really. Yeah, we are. And that's, that's and particularly with power swimmers, you sometimes have to do something slightly different, really, sometimes. Not, not ultimately, but, but I think you do have to do a look at things a little bit different as well. And I think sometimes with some athletes, you've got to be a bit more of a father figure uh, to them. Um, sometimes I've had to go down that route, or sometimes you have to be the headmaster. So, you know, so um, if you like, that's how, that's how I've had to go, you know, depending on who you're working with, you know. I've never tried to tell my older athletes what they should do, but I've always tried to give them suggestions of how it might work, if you know, to, you know, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about there. I've probably gone and I've been daft enough to go above and beyond what I'm supposed to do, as all coaches do. Do you know what I mean? So, but I think that's, you know, I'm being honest there. 
Um, but you do what's required for your athletes, you know, and I think sometimes you do go above and beyond, you know, um, that's coaching. Uh, that's the, what's the way it is. Um, you can't get around that. Um, you do have to be, have to put yourself out a little bit more, you know, do you know what I mean? To get, get the result. Yeah. Um, but I think that's been my personality. I've always tried to be a bit more, you know, try and help them through things a little bit more than probably I should have done, you know, and, uh, and I think, you know, that can be either a blessing or it's not been a, it's, it's worked the other way, but I think on not very, a lot of occasions it's gone the right way. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and I think that the other thing is as well, I've been lucky with the people I've worked with have been good listeners. So and I think they've but they've been, they've taken on new ideas as well. To, do you know what I mean? And, I, and that's been, I've been able to be support them through it. So I think sometimes it's about, knowing when you've got to give that extra support or when you've got to back off a bit. And I think that's how, I, that's how it is. Probably not the, a simple answer to anything really on this one. It's just knowing who, you, who you're working with really. That's it. Yeah. Is it um, you know, I mean, I'll give, I'll give you an example actually. Yeah. Um, you're working with two different people, you know. Um, I was at the Paralympics 2012, London, okay. Um, Ollie had qualified for the 200 medley final, fastest qualifier, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And you've got to be able to deal with that. And 30 minutes after was Charlotte's race, um, <coughs> uh, was the SB 600 breaststroke. And I only had a half an hour to make sure they were well prepared, well, they were warmed up properly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So and I was on the staff. So it was a case of like, Working with Ollie because I knew he he needed he needed some he needed um, he was able to like he was quite quickly into focus really for what he needed to do. Charlotte needed a bit more support, etc. And we hadn't had a great year that year. Uh, Charlotte hadn't had a great year. She'd been um, uh, not well, and we had to and we don't we had not a great preparation into the Paralympics. But we the last the few weeks beforehand, she did some great work. So. So it was just a case, but it's knowing how to work with your athletes in that, those situations, you know. So, so it was the, probably the most pressurised situation I've ever been in as a coach. But, and uh, so, you know, but, yeah, I'd only got to, like I think it was like twenty minutes, I think, between two races, something like that. Yeah. So, and one he and they won gold and silver. So it was a case of like you know being. Um, but, you know, working with the two people, and it just shows you how you have to work with different people at different times. Yeah. 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 So I always remember that. It was quite, probably about, about I certainly probably at the end, about, about had a nervous breakdown afterwards, but no, <laughs> but there we go. That's it. But it was, um, it was, uh, it was quite a, quite a night that was. That's it. Yeah. So there will be uh, coaches out there listening to this uh, podcast who um, have, in their in their squad they'll have you know a group of in, in one in one group they'll have some able-bodied swimmers and they might have a, a para swimmer in there as well yeah. how important is it to to understand fully um yeah. what what uh, your para swimmer can do and what what their limitations yeah. are when you're coaching them in that kind of mixed setting so you can i will see what you mean yes yeah um Right, so, well, I can give you examples. Mostly with Sam, Ollie, wasn't too bad because they were able to do the, roughly the same session and I still maybe to do 
you know, I would say he's 95% of the session that I put on for the able body swimmers, he will be able to do quite easily. So there might be slight adjustments, so he's not too bad. When you're working with lower classes or lower class, I remember Charlotte, uh, we used to still do in my squad, uh, but um, we used to do like 2100s freestyle sets and she'd go one on, then a 50, one on, then one and a 50. You know what I mean? So you'd, you'd manage it round like the, the, that, that sort of work. I mean, obviously, we work one-to-one -one as well, but on, on, on certain occasions, particularly as we're leading up to major championships, so we, we did some quite a bit of one-to-one -one work, but as, as well as I did with Ollie and Sam. But, but generally, you've got to try and manage that situation where... But you've got to realise that um, physiologically, they're still doing the same uh, work, if yeah. you know what I mean. So it's not, it's not a problem, providing you don't, you don't expect them to do the same as... Yeah the able-bodied person next to them. They are physiologically still doing the same, and, and you know, the effect is still the same. Yeah. You know I mean? It's just that they're doing that slight less volume. Presenting. So, you know, an able-bodied S6 swimmer, oh, sorry, a para-swimmer, SB6 or S6 swimmer, yeah. um, going 30K a week is the equivalent of doing somebody doing 50 or 60 for... Yeah, for, a, for an able-bodied athlete, and you've just got to manage that, and that's how I managed it. And I think um, it's it's also you know, and you also you've got to manage manage in with their you know you've got to manage their expectations as well. You know, with people's expectations, you know, um, and then give them appropriate goals with that, with the training, etc. As well, you've got to give them that sort of you know, um, you can you can also fall into the trap with a or a really good para swimmer at a younger age of trying to give them too much you almost drift into giving them a senior program yeah and you don't want to be doing that either so you've still got to get them to do the progression and the development work appropriate for their age rather than thinking that they can then go straight into senior senior work you're still going to be able to do, get that round in your head that they yeah. still need to do that just because they're performing yeah uh, at a level where yes you, you, you don't expect that they then immediately should be doing a senior program you've yeah. got to hold yourself back and it, it's difficult it's not you know i mean sometimes you know you might think that you need to let hay, you know make hay while the sun shines but <laughs> but i think but at the end of the day you still got to draw get you pull yourself back into the fact that they still need to do that that development and progression work that they should be doing at that at the appropriate age for them you know so uh, a really good segue there into the into the next question was uh, a lot of para swimmers, as we discussed earlier, with especially with Ellie Simmons, tend to kind of break through at that yeah. much younger age. Um, you've got to be really careful, and, and how do you make sure that you manage appropriately the work they're doing in the pool? And yeah, like they're not imposing that kind of senior program on them. Well, so I probably just answered that a little bit earlier. It's just a matter. Um, I think. I think the thing is as well, it's inevitable in some classifications uh, with para swimming, you, you always, you're going to get the younger athlete that bursts through uh, and, you know, and get into a senior team when they're quite young. So that's always going to happen. But again, it's like you have to manage the expectation of the athlete, manage the, manage the training. Um, and as I've said, make sure that they're in the appropriate work at the appropriate age, etc. Uh, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I think that's that's pretty pretty much what you've got to do, really. Yeah. So, 
That's, that's, that's how I did it with, I mean, Charlotte came in when she was 12. I coached her for 18 years. And we, we tried to manage each time that she wasn't overcooking it, if you like. And we weren't trying to be too clever and trying to make do and do a senior program when she was only a youngster. You know, so, and that's what you got to really go. Funny enough, though, with Charlotte, she came through quite later um, as a 16 plus old, uh, 16 plus youth swimmer. She, kept, uh, she progressed fully from there, really. I guess you've got to you've got to make sure that although they're having you know great performances and great outcomes uh, as mm. a teenager on yeah. the senior stage, you've got to make sure that they can continue to do that you know into their twenties, um, yeah. potentially into their thirties, and mm. making sure they've got that progression so they're not so they've always got somewhere to go in terms of their progression is is important. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. You, you've got to be, yeah. You, you can't do two things too soon. You want them to have a long career. You yeah. know, we don't want to be, we don't want to be fin- if we could avoid it, we don't want them to sort of um, um, hanging up the, the costumes at, um, at 15, 16, you know, if we can avoid that, you know. Um, I'm not saying it can't happen, but you would try and make sure that it doesn't. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, basically. Yeah. So uh, another consideration that, that perhaps I've noticed from yeah. just, you know, I've, I've not got a huge knowledge base on in, in power swimming just from what I've seen at meets and stuff is that they tend to swim larger programs yes. uh, in terms of you know they might be more more likely to be a, a multi-eventer than, mm. than an able-bodied swimmer yeah how how does this come about and then how do you manage to make sure they still get that kind of training that makes sure they can specialize if that makes sense yeah um I, for me if i got something i mean i've had this before i mean with younger para swimmers, it's not too much of an issue. Um, you want them to try and swim quite a multi, multi events. If they're good at multi events, then you want them to do it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, as they get older, uh, because I mean, basically, they're able to cope with it. So, you know, they yeah. you know they recover pretty quickly. Um, you know, and they invariably they're pretty keen to do it. Do you know what I mean? You don't have too many problems. You know, um, but as they obviously get older, that's when the issues start to be a bit more prevalent. If you know what I mean. So, so I mean, obviously with training, you've got to be trying to do it, you know, yes. Yeah, and I think with younger swimmers, it's like you do an able body swimmer. You do sort of making sure that they're doing all stroke. It's an all stroke yeah. program. Yeah. And that's what you, you know, you, you won't be trying to do a specialize in the hundred back when somebody's 12 particularly, you know, yeah. and, you know, so, so I think that that's, that's part and parcel of that with the young, with even with younger Paris swimmers. But as they get older, um, the trick is, as, as a coach, when they start to mature and recovery becomes more important, um, then the coach-athlete relationship kicks in, and and you and it's deciding what the goals are a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? And also, when you go to a Paralympics, it can be a 10, 11 day program. So, um, you know, it's you know, you, and as the older, they need more recovery, and you've got to manage that as well. So. And some, and I, can, I know that Ollie at the minute, we've, you know, we've, we've, he's not probably going to do the 200 medal. It might change, uh, but we're working towards the 400 freestyle, you know, more now, um, just because he's an older athlete, really. Do you know what I mean? And he's, and he's yeah. decided, but he's had an input into that as well. So it's not me, really me just say it might change, it might alter, but, but as we stand at this today, it might, it might just keep to the 400 freestyle uh, and the hunt and the backstroke. So, so I think that's that's the way we that's the way we look at things, and we try and discuss things a little bit more. You know, um, 
you know, and what are the specifics really around it and why, you know. And also you can get, I know that we've had to change things before when we've seen the programme for major championships come out. They can be right next to one another. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Then you've got to be like, things will happen like that. Now, if you've got a gold medal chance in both, then you've got to manage it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it, so it might be appropriate to make sure it is appropriate for them to do both. But, you know, generally you've got to work with the athletes on that, you know. Um, and the Paralympic Games and major championships now for para-championships para, para are long weeks um, because you're going through every classification. Uh, yeah. And so it's not like, you know, they tend to be long weeks, um, you know, so with every different classification that there is, uh, two or three heats in each, it's, uh, it's the long programmes and you've got to think what's best for the athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess... To some extent, it could be almost like going to uh, um, some of the level three meets that I have to go to, where yeah. <laughs> where it, some, some of the events take take because mm. you know, you've got to go through every single classification. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so somebody so the, the whole argument is they still keep people saying, "Oh, why doesn't the Paralympics policy uh, is integrated with the Olympic Games?" <laughs> well, we might be there. We might be there a month <laughs> trying to get the swimming competition done. So. So it wouldn't, it doesn't, it doesn't apply itself well to that. Um, but um, you know, it is that's that's the truth of the matter, really, as it stands at the moment in time. Who knows what might happen in the future? But uh, as it stands at the moment, that uh, the two don't marry up very well on that one. Um, it'd be nice, but um, uh, that's that's just the way it is at the moment. Yeah. So, Glenn, we always ask at the end of each episode. Yeah. Ask our guests to, to sum up their kind of top three points uh, for their topic. So I'm going to ask you today for your uh, top three points for, for coaching world class para swimmers. Yeah. Oh, uh, first one. Uh, I've had a bit of a think about this one. Obviously, it's coach the athlete, not the disability. Yeah. So, so always people you coach start to coach with people, para swimmers, etc. And you try, and some I've seen people try and focus too much on the disability, what they've got, or their impairment, and not the athlete. Yeah. So I always coach the athlete, and not what's what's the problem is. Mm -hmm. okay. So always coach the athlete. That's the first one. And yeah. I'll, I'll say that always, and I always remember somebody telling me that. So I can, that's one of the things. Yeah. Always be prepared. The second one: always be prepared for the unexpected. I've been at para, para meets before and things and something can go wrong, something become well, unwell, etc. Or somebody can be doing something different. You've always got to be prepared for the unexpected. But and that's just goes the same with able body swimming. Yeah. Same thing. Always be prepared for the unexpected. So and that's what that's that's my second point. And then one thing that Bill always told me that that always goes that sticks with me for a long time it's in, and it's about education and making sure that you're well prepared and, and you keep up to uh, up to date with things he always said like if you stand still long enough somebody will go past you so never stand still yeah make sure you're moving you're moving forward all the time and yeah. try and keep your knowledge up to date because somebody somebody will go past you if you stand still basically yeah, not how far out ahead you are either Eventually. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So don't always always keep, you know, always try and follow, you know, follow trends or make sure you're up to date with things and, and I've tried to do that as long as I can. You know. Um, yeah, I mean it doesn't matter if you don't agree with it, but at least you've probably learnt, you've got yourself up to, up to speed with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
anyway, uh, yeah, okay. so, excellent. You know, I'm I'm certainly um, yeah. a little more better off now in terms of my knowledge for um, you know para swimming and and the kind of the nuances that go around coaching para swimmers than I was before. So I hope yeah. those that are listening uh, listen to the episode are too. Yeah, uh, Glenn, thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, yeah. and uh, wish you well for the season and hope uh, post-Covid uh, things yeah, start so things will like start moving up and moving in the right <laughs> direction yeah that's right yeah. I'll take this uh, this opportunity to point our listeners towards uh, our social media we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Poolside Pass and also our website www.poolsidepass.com uh, again, thank you listeners for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, make sure you share it with, with other coaches that you know. Um, and until next time, take care. <laughs>